Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Friday, October 15, 2021. And today will be better than yesterday. Producing from his home studio in the foothills of Connecticut is the Rev, Taylor Schwing. Feel the sin in this room tonight. Uh, Buster only working from my home in New York. And I have to say, Taylor, a tough day for Sarah Lang's mom, the Giants fan. Yes. Oh, my goodness. She's got to be apoplectic oh. today. I mean, I, at least Sarah said she was bracing for the loss, which I, I think yeah. is what you do in these scenarios. But, uh, you know, thinking about Sarah's mom today, tough one. Yep, 100%. Uh, game five played out last night, but there was a lot of news that happened earlier in the day. The St. Louis Cardinals shocked everybody by announcing that they have fired Mike Schilt, their manager. John Mazalock cited philosophical differences in explaining Schilt's dismissal. We'll be talking about that with Carl Ravitch coming up. Sources told ESPN on Thursday that Tony La Russa will uh, return to manage Chicago White Sox for 2022. The fallout from the Yankees' disappointing 2021 season began to manifest yesterday as the Yankees let go of coaches Phil Nevin and Marcus Timms, their hitting coach, as well as another coach. The status of Aaron Boone, their manager, is uncertain. The two sides are talking about whether or not Boone's going to come back. He, of course, has a contract that's set to expire right after the World Series. The Red Sox and the Astros prepared for the start of their series, which will happen later on Friday in Houston. Alex Cora announced that Chris Sale is starting game one despite recent struggles. It's Chris Sale, you know, and... Uh... At one point, he had to pitch in this series, and we feel we're, we're very comfortable with him going tomorrow. Um, I think the structure of the series and the structure of our roadman tomorrow is going to be we're going to be aggressive, regardless, you know. But I don't expect him to come out in the first inning. You know, I expect him to go out there and pitch a good game and give us a chance to win. You know, you got to trust everybody in this roster. You know, we got 26 guys that they have to do the job for us to advance to the World Series, and he's one of them. And uh, that's the reason he's pitching tomorrow. And then. Nate will follow him. Yeah, Alex Gore's right. Somebody's got to pitch. You can't have Nathan Avaldi pitching every single game. Chris Sale's honest about how he's been pitching. There's no hiding from it. It's no secret. You know, I haven't been real, been absolutely horrible. Probably my two worst starts of my career back to back, right leading up to this. Um, so, you know, I know what I had to do in between. You know, I had, you know, I had a job to do, and, and I knew that I had work to get in. Um, you know, obviously following. My last start in Tampa, I mean, I got off the mound every single day to because I knew I had to get something going uh, if, if we were going to be successful, and I know that I'm going to be a part of that. So, um, you know, just iron, trying to iron out some kinks, get back into, you know, a good rhythm and, and find it and just ride it out as long as I can. Lance McCullers Jr. clearly would have been a candidate to start early in this series, but there's an issue with his arm. The Astros have not publicly defined exactly what that is. But Framber Valdez will step in to start game one. Here's Dusty Baker. I mean, he's been here before. I mean, he was our main guy last year, you know. And, um, you know, for a young kid to have done and been in a situation, um, you know, you don't find that much. You know, the last real young kid, I mean, not kid, but young man that I was around was, was like Fernando Valenzuela, you know. In L.A., he wasn't in all the situation. You know, I mean, he was, I mean, he pitched far beyond his his years. And I like Framer's determination. I like the fact that he's, uh, I mean, he's loose as heck. You know what I mean? Which would take him a long ways that you don't expect Framer to get or be tight. 
Okay, after all that, Dodgers, Giants, game five, winner take all. And before the game, there was a surprise. The Dodgers announced that Corey Knable was set to start as an opener instead of Julio Arias. Here's Dave Roberts talking about that decision before the game. Corey's a guy that uh, I expected to pitch tonight. Um, and so just kind of changing up when he pitches is part of it. Um, the Giants have been a tremendous ball club all year. And just speaking to the offensive side, uh, they have been the best team in baseball as far as getting matchup advantages, platoon advantages. And um, this allows us to a little bit uh, get a neutral pitcher who's done it, who's had success, who's all in on doing it, and potentially giving us some matchups uh, going forward throughout the game. Now, in the first inning, bottom of the first, Knable pitched okay, but the Giants hit some balls hard and didn't score. Same thing with Gratterall. Pitched okay, Giants hit some ball hard, and they didn't score. Meanwhile, Logan Webb was dominating for the Giants. Hit the one-two, check swing, went too far, struck him out. And Webb has set down the last eight in a row. That was the legend, Boog Chambi on ESPN Radio. Webb continued to dominate in the fifth. 3-2. Swing and a miss. Struck him out. And Logan Webb has fired five shutout innings. His stuff is absurdly good. Arias came into the game after those two relievers opened up in the first and second inning, and he was good. The 0-2. Swing and a miss. Struck him out. And on 10 pitches, he strikes out the side. Yeah, it was 0-0 in the top of the sixth inning. Mookie Betts singled. He stole second base, and then this happened. The 2-0 line. Fair ball over the head of Longoria into left field. Betts around third on his way to the plate. Seager dives into second, and it's an RBI double. And the Dodgers strike first. It's 1-0 L.A. Seager the other way to score bets. In a series in which there wasn't a single lead change, that lead, 1-0, didn't last long. The 3-2. Swing and a ball drilled center field. Lux going back, turning, looking, out of here. Darren Ruff has tied it up. 1-1. Kenley Jansen came on to pitch the bottom of the eighth with the score still 1-1. Two and two now. Posey waits. Jansen fires. Swing and a miss. Jansen strikes out Posey. And we're headed to the ninth. And in the ninth inning, Cody Bellinger came up with runners on base. And I was on baseball tonight last night with Doug Glanville. And before our show, we were watching this game live. And you notice Bellinger choked up on a bat. You can understand because he really struggled against the Giants this year. This is what happened. The one-two. Swing and a line drive. That's a base hit. Right center field. Turner around third. Turner on his way to the plate. He's in to score. Bellinger an RBI single here in the ninth. And the Dodgers have taken a 2-1 lead in game five. During the regular season, Bellinger went two for 48 with one RBI against the Giants, an 042 batting average, the worst single season batting average by any player against the Giants in MLB history among players with at least 40 at bats. But in this series, four for 15 with three RBI. So the Dodgers took that two to one lead into the bottom of the ninth inning, and Max Scherzer, zero career saves, came on to pitch the bottom of the ninth inning. Check swing and a ball down and away. He went! 
and it's over. Wilmer Flores strikes out, and the Dodgers are moving on. The defending champs eliminate the Giants, and they win it in game five. 2-1 the final score. As they mob Max Scherzer on the third base side of the pitcher's mound, the dugout emptying out, and Max Scherzer is pumped up. 2-1 the final here in game five. And Taylor, I want you to jump in on this real quick. Let's get this out of the way. That check swing call was terrible. Uh, it's not mm. the reason why the Giants lost, per se, but it ended any chance that they had another chance. It was awful. Yeah, it was bad. I, I feel bad for them, but at the same time, you're, it's your last strike. Was Wilbur Flores really going to mount the comeback? I mean, how many how many times do you get down to your last strike and, and you're going to rally like that? I mean, it's the, the odds have to be very, very small, so I, I wouldn't get too hung up on it. Max Scherzer is the seventh pitcher to collect his first career save in a series-clinching victory. Three of those, by the way, are currently on the Dodgers roster. David Price, Clayton Kershaw. After the game, Gabe Kapler was asked about that final check swing. Super tough. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, you don't want a game to end that way. Um, I know these guys work really hard to, to make the right call, so it's super challenging um, on our end. Obviously, it's going to be frustrating to have a, a game in like that. Um, a pretty high-quality hitter at the plate that can climb back into that count. It's no guarantee of success at the end of the at-bat. Um, it's just it's just a tough way to end it. Dave Roberts, the Dodgers manager, talked about putting Scherzer in the game. It was just kind of seeing the flow and, and how the game was going to play out. Um, knowing you have, a, I guess, a ace in the hole um, is a good feeling. It just wanted to try to find the uh, ultimate leverage spot to uh, to deploy him, to use him. And um, just kind of how the game played out, it just made a lot of sense. Here's Mad Max. I told him I was good to go. Uh, they told me I was going to be pitching after Kenley. I just know how these situations go. When you go down to the pen, you better expect the ball. Uh, you, the, I mean, your number is going to get called. Um, you got to assume that and uh, find – and just mentally know you, we're – to get ready for it when, when your number's going to get called, uh, you're ready for the moment. Cody Bellinger hit 165 this year, and he drives in the winning run to put away the Giants. Here's Cody Bellinger after the game. You know, I said it before, it's time, you know, to, I learned a lot from the, from the season, and now it's, it's postseason. So, um, you know, just keep having faith in the Lord and keep having faith in myself and uh, just keep, you know, staying in the moment and doing everything that I can to help this team win. Yeah, so big moment for him. Dave Roberts talked about the upcoming series against the Atlanta Braves. The Dodgers will open in Atlanta on Saturday. We put everything we could into this series. Um, we talk about it. I've talked about it for six years. Um, our, our expectation every year is to play through October. So you're going to have highs, lows, uh, some tough games where you got to kind of pick things up to win a ball game. And so, yeah, I have no doubt our guys are going to come ready to beat the Braves um, in game one. Taylor, what you got? Buster, a raft of things. You know it. I know it. We all know it by now. You can listen to every out of the postseason on ESPN Radio. Tune in tonight, Friday, October 15th. Astros, Red Sox, game one of the ALCS, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. Then Saturday, game two of the ALCS. Tune in at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time. Coverage begins for game one of the NLCS between the Dodgers and Braves at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time on Saturday. And game two of the NLCS will be on Sunday, again on ESPN Radio, as of Friday morning when we're recording. I 
don't have a tune in time for that, but uh, it will be on your dial. Keep your uh, local your local affiliate, uh, ESPN affiliate, will keep you abreast of the timing. You can listen on the ESPN app. Also, our annual NBA opening night doubleheader is Wednesday, October 20th, 7.30 p.m. Eastern, 4.30 p.m. Pacific, Celtics at Knicks. Then it's our primetime West Coast game, Nuggets at Suns. Two great matchups to tip off the NBA season on ESPN and the ESPN app. Finally, we are so excited to have our new weekday studio show, NBA Today, hosted by Malika Andrews, tipping off the start of the season with exclusive content debuting on ESPN Tuesday, October 19th at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. Get caught up with the latest from around the NBA on NBA Today, 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on ESPN and the ESPN app. And you can also listen to the NBA Today wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Buster. Just go to Indeed.com slash Buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, Their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. All aboard. It's the Ravi Train with Carl Ravitch. Carl Ravitch, play-by-play man, host of baseball tonight. And Ravi, I know where the Ravi Train was parked last night in front of your television watching the Dodgers and Giants. Uh, we got other things to get to before that, but real quick, that was a fun game last night. It was a fun game. It was well-pitched game. Logan Webb is a star. Uh, Mookie Betts is a star. Um, there's no such thing as having a starter anymore. It doesn't matter who they are. We're seeing that, I think, with Chris Sale, who go two innings or three innings. We saw it with Orias coming in late. And as I mentioned last night around 1240, Little League has a rule that every one of their games at the World Series has the final play automatically reviewed. Reviewable or not, I think it's just a bad taste in the mouths of everybody to see a game end on a call like that. And the review isn't the issue to me. The, the question is, what the hell is a check swing? No, yeah. it's really undefined, and that's that's the biggest issue that Major League Baseball has, not review or not to. That's not really a, a quantifiable rule, and that presents all sorts of problems. Yeah, and you can bet that it's going to come up uh, 
you know, when yeah. the uh, competition committee, you know, talks about that during the off season, before we get to take a deep dive into that game last night, because I tell you, there was a, a decision made that <laughs> if it had gone the other way, Oh my God, it would have haunted a manager forever. But let's talk about uh, first off the shocker yesterday, Mike Schilt being fired by the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, you know, as Bill DeWitt, the chairman of the Cardinals, said, this is based on differences between Mo and his group and the manager. Um, I heard Carl after the fact that the, the Cardinals actually were talking internally about this in mid-August, and we're like, they were ready to move on. Uh, and then the Cardinals went on that unbelievable winning streak. They got back into it. They make the the wild card game, which is why there was so much surprise over this. But from everything I understand, it basically comes down to old school versus new school. And if you're an old school manager, you better get in line with the new school front offices. Yeah, or at least, or at least be able to bridge that uh, difference. And I, I got the impression, and I would have agreed mid-August with the way they were playing, you, you know, you don't get rid of the team, uh, that a move wouldn't have shocked us then. So we, we've seen managers, you know, win in the postseason and get fired. We've seen managers take teams to World Series and get fired. So I'm not, none of this stuff shocks me. If you're not the owner, you're vulnerable. And in the case of Mike Schilt, um, I think I think he fell victim to analytics versus old school. I think he falls victim to the, the sort of glorification of a lot of the young, inexperienced, can speak languages, can relate the message from front office to player. Uh, I think he I think he falls victim to a lot of the the current way of thinking. And but um, Mike Schilt, I think in a lot of ways. Uh, did a really good job there. I'm not even sure that Mike Schilt was the first choice years ago for the Cardinals. So I got to believe Yadier Molina, Adam Wainwright uh, were at least told of this and and may have had a chance to say, no, 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 no. Um, as much as we fall on the this is the owner's decision, uh, I got to believe those those veterans in that clubhouse were at least at least brought into the loop on the way that they were thinking. And I got to believe that the veterans will be brought into the loop on who the next manager is. I got a name to watch. And I think that skips Schumacher because, you know, yeah. uh, works in the San Diego yeah. Padres uh, front office and their coaching staff. He's very highly regarded. He's got, uh, you know, a, a, he's got some uh, experience with analytics and I, Look, yep. if you see what happened uh, yesterday with the Cardinals, with the Yankees, I'd say this, if you are a coach or even a manager, and you are feeling an instinct to push back against the, you know, this tidal wave of analytics coming at you, you better reassess. You better feel like, you know what, I need to get fluent in that language. Because more and more, I think, uh, you know, we're seeing teams basically say, look, you got to work our way or, or the new way, and you got to talk the language that players are talking now, or you are gone. The Yankees, I think that was the situation with Marcus Timms. Uh, you know, he's uh, very old school in his approach. The Yankees struggled this year, 19th in, uh, in run scored after they came into spring training with a high expectation. It was going to be another strong offense. It's a performance industry. And when they struggle and you have, uh, you know, players, Aaron Judge using his own hitting coach going off in a different direction. If they're not completely in sync, it's going to be the coach who's going to get nailed. What do you think, Carl? 
A hundred percent. Um, you know, at one point it was, uh, I'm guessing it was a, and this isn't Yankee related. This is major league baseball related. We, we went from, uh, instincts and scouting and gut to, yeah. we're going to introduce analytics to now analytics probably is a 75% to 25. There, there's always with people like Kevin Cash and Alex Cora, um, Dusty Baker, uh, even Tony Larusa, there is there is a nod to analytics. Here's the here's the problem for non-analytics folks. Analytics work. <laughs> analytics are rooted in in a sense science and numbers. There's a reason that they apply analytics in these cases. They work. We had this discussion, Tim Kirchner and I, during the. NLDS with the Braves and the Brewers and shifting. And sometimes a guy will hit the ball the other way, but right at the guy that's still standing at shortstop while the three others are between first and second. They work. And that's, that's got to be acknowledged. And then you've got to apply them. And there may come a decision in a game where, you know what? I, I, I see them. This is one of those that isn't as clear as many others. I'm going to fall back on my baseball instincts, on my experiences I had as a player or have had as a manager. But analytics work, and you've got to become fluent in the language and the understanding and, most important, the application of them. And you've got to be the guy that sells that to your players. And if you can't sell it, you're not going to be around very long. The Yankees fire Phil Nevin, uh, who is the Aaron Boone's best friend on his coaching staff. Uh, at this moment, it's uncertain what's going to happen with Aaron Boone. It's a complicated situation because normally in a case like this, the manager would still have time left on his contract and the Yankees would have announced, okay, we're making changes with the coaches and Aaron Boone's returning under his current contract. His contract's expiring. Uh, he could theoretically walk away and pursue, like any free agents, a deal someplace else, maybe in St. Louis, maybe in San Diego. Uh, but the Yankees front office steps in, they make a change, and Booney's not walking away from the conversation. The Yankees aren't walking away from the conversation, Carl, which makes me think that eventually they'll work this out with like a two-year deal. In other words, Aaron Boone yesterday could have said, you know what? You fired my uh, best friend in the coaching staff. I'm gone. That didn't happen. You didn't have the Yankees say, we don't want you. They're talking, Carl, which makes, again, makes me feel like they'll, they'll work it out. Uh, look, we all know Aaron Boone. We all have relationships with uh, Brian Cashman and other members of the Yankees front office. Here's, here's what I think I would do if I were, I'll play it from Aaron Boone's role. I'm hooked to Brian Cashman more than anything. He's the guy that hired me. Brian Cashman's deal is up in a year. Uh, you got rid of my best friend, not necessarily perhaps the best coach, but you got rid of my best friend. We've seen guys walk away for, for a lot less than that. Um, if I'm Aaron Boone. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to invest in one more year. You give me the year that you have left. You had faith in me. I'll have faith in you that we're going to get this right. And I'll give, I'll give it the year that you have left because I'm not necessarily sure. I really want to be here when the guy that hired me is gone. And I have a, enough faith in myself that I can get a job somewhere else. I can get a job in a variety of, of aspects of this industry. I, I'm not worried about that. But you put the faith in me. I'll put the faith in you. We're going to get this right. And then after next year, when we prove that we can do this, 
uh, and I can do it without Nevin, and you can do it with me. We'll both sign long-term extensions. I don't, I don't know that I want a two-year deal. I'm riding, I'm riding shotgun with my guy Cashman here because he had faith in me, and I'm going to show that I have the faith in him. I don't need a two-year deal. Bring me back on a one-year, and let's do this together. And that's, that's how I would play it. All right, so many cool elements in Game 5 last night. Let's talk about Cody Bellinger. Uh, we have seen him in his postseason history struggle against the same pitch over and over and over, and that is a slider down and in. And so it was interesting is Doug and I were watching, Doug Glenville and I were watching that game from the set of baseball tonight live last night. Uh, we saw Cody Bellinger, Carl, choke up on the bat in the middle yep. of that last plate appearance, and you're like, huh, you know, you don't usually see that with Cody. Uh, the pitch was left over the plate. It wasn't a great slider that he uh, wound up swinging at. You know, but Bellinger, who had struggled so badly this year against the Giants, finally gets to that pitch, and you can just see the relief in his face, the happiness in his face that he got that hit. It's been an awful year for Bellinger. He, he's, he's like so many super athletes. They tweak, they change. Um, and, and then they struggle with going back to what once worked for him. Uh, I love the choking up. I, I'm a, one of those that have great faith, especially in younger athletes, that, that they're going to figure it out. It, it's kind of like firing a manager the year after uh, that they win 100 games or they take a team to a World Series. They don't just lose it. You know, they, they do have the ability to manage. Players, especially guys like Bellinger, have the ability. It's not like they forgot how to play. This isn't somebody who stopped being able to make the throw from second to first and is dealing with some psychological issue. This is a guy that has all the talent in the world. I was delighted to see it. The, the only part of the slider part of that that, uh, that frustrates me a little bit is as much as he struggled with the slider, he couldn't come close to hitting a high fastball this year. Right. And right. Duvall got away from and Duvall got away from that. The two the two big hits in these NLDSs, Freddie Freeman homers off Josh Hader's to me, second best pitch, a slider. Cody Bellinger gets a hit off Duvall to me, second best pitch, a slider. Those two guys have ridiculously effective fastballs, and those were not the pitches that they threw in those situations, and it hurt them both. Yep, Gabe Kapler said after the game uh, that he was not going to second best the second guess the pitch selection. But I agree with you. Yep. In fact, as Doug and I were talking, our guess was that he was going to come at him with a high fastball, a pitch he couldn't get to. But you could understand. I mean, just slider after slider after slider in this game against Cody, and the Giants dominated him during the regular season. Uh, Max Scherzer, you know, I was joking uh, during baseball tonight last night how they need to give MRIs to the other Dodgers after last night because of, uh, of how hard Max Scherzer was celebrating. No starting pitcher is more suited to be a closer than Max come through with his first career save. Yeah, look, there, there's, there is every reason in the world to love what Max Scherzer does on the field as a teammate, as a competitor. Like, there's no holes in any of that. Because you, when you mix uber talent with, you know, such dedication to his craft, such intensity, 
it, it's just, it's such a win-win. So his reactions, his looking at Dave Roberts. Heck, during the season, you know, Dave Roberts would joke uh, when Max comes in or comes out or soon after a game or even before a game, you know, everyone else is looking for high fives, pats on the ass. Don't touch Max Scherzer. You know, his body is Adrian Beltre's head. Do not touch me. Do not invade my airspace. Uh, I need this room. And that's, uh, that, that's, uh, that's just an impossible thing to poke holes in. Uh, I, I love Max Scherzer and uh, I'd love him on my team. How about Mookie Betts? He's now 13 for 24, 542 batting average in six elimination games since joining the Dodgers. And I was thinking about this last night, Carl, that, I mean, you and I have heard stories about how hard Mookie Betts is on himself. Like there is a, along with being a great player, there is a deep insecurity there. And yet in big moments, he always manages to find the center stage. Two things about Mookie last night. They clearly had a game plan against Logan Webb. You know, like we're not gonna we're not gonna stretch the zone here. We're gonna wait for him to throw one in the zone. His first at bat epitomized the execution of the game plan perfectly. Bottom half of the inning, Mookie Betts is in right field, and there are some shots hit out there, and he's involved defensively. Not necessarily web gem type plays, but really good plays. So to me, after one inning, Mookie Betts is locked and loaded. Like we we got him. He got a hit. And he made a defensive play. So any of those, I'm beating their beating the heck out of myself, are gone. He knows, at least to me, and you know, just being an athlete or being a competitor, you realize like, ugh, it's not going great today, and I can feel it. Or, uh, wow, okay, it, it's it's working. It's coming easily. It's free. He was free after one inning last night, and saw the ball differently than eight other Dodgers that came to the plate behind him. He, he was the only guy that, that did that against Logan Webb, who, again, makes you feel like on the short list of Cy Young candidates going into next season, Logan Webb's on the list. Mookie Betts felt great. And I love the fact that you could tell what his plan was in that first at bat. He finally got a pitch to hit, and he drilled it in the left field. So uh, Kevin Cash spent the entire offseason being second guess for that decision he made in the last game of last year's World Series, pulling Blake Snell. I, I think that uh, the second guessing of Dave Roberts may have followed him all the way into retirement, Carl, uh, if they had lost that game last night because of the decision that was announced by the Dodgers hours before last night's game. Dave Roberts calling Gabe Kapler hours before the game and letting him know, hey, we're not starting Arias. We're starting Corey Knable as an opener, and they also plan to uh, follow him with Bruce Dargraderall. Uh, man, if this hadn't worked out, Carl, for a, a defending champion, let's say if the Giants had scored two, three runs early, oh, my God, the reaction would have been on social media. People would have lost their minds. So it's important in this moment to say, you know what? The analytics, the plan the, the gambit that they played yesterday, it all worked out. Yeah, emphasis on worked out. Um, you know, we started this conversation about Mike Schilt and analytics. Yep. Um, you, you, I, I wouldn't, you, you cannot manage based on the result of how social media is going to treat you. In fact, right. I would strongly encourage everybody not to do anything based on how you think social media 
is going to treat you. That, that decision was not made in a vacuum in Dave Roberts' shower before he went to the ballpark. That was a, that was a consensus and a collaboration between everybody on that team and certainly in that organization at the top levels. Uh, social media be damned. Dave Roberts is going to go talk to Andrew Friedman and everyone else in the front office, and they're going to come together today if they had lost and said, well, we screwed that up or that didn't work. And look, there, there were some balls hammered in that first inning. Uh, yes. uh, one of them was going to be a home run in many ballparks. So I think to say it worked out is different than saying it worked. It worked out. They won the game. Um, and by the way, they had history with that, too. This was not the first day, the first time that they used Knable, and it worked then. It, it, it succeeded again this time. I, I just, I, I'm, I have no problem with it, and I'm not surprised by any decisions that a team or a manager makes uh, when it comes to starting pitching. And I think for the next two uh, LCSs and World Series, we're going to see more of the same. I know we're going to see more of the same. All right. We should uh, acknowledge the Giants. What an amazing season. Uh, we talked a lot about them, and everyone waited all season for them to come back to the pack, and it wasn't until the final game of the NLDS that the Dodgers finally caught up with them. All right. We just got a couple minutes left, and I'm going to tell you this, Carl, uh, as we look ahead to the American League National League Championship Series, I am cursed. All right, for the record, I had the Yankees beating the Red Sox. I had the Rays beating the Red Sox. I had the Brewers beating the Braves. I had the Giants beating the Dodgers last night. So clearly I have some kind of power brewing, maybe not the one that I want, but a power that at this point I think should be respected. Don't you agree? I would absolutely agree. So I'm sure that the fan bases of the two teams you pick are going to be, are going to be uh, pissed off, and the ones that you don't pick are delighted. Yeah, uh, and uh, one member of one of those fan bases happens to be my son, the big Atlanta Braves fan, who was texting me yesterday, please don't pick the Braves. Well, guess what? <laughs> I am picking the Atlanta Braves over the Dodgers in the National League Championship Series. I love the fact they're starting the series at home. I love the fact that they have the starting pitching lined up. And I got the Red Sox beating the Houston Astros. That news about Lance McCullers Jr. not being available at the start of the series I think evens out the pitching staffs, Carl, uh, and I think Alex Cora is going to find a way to win that series. So I've got the Braves and the Red Sox. What about you? So I I wasn't as bad as you. I actually had the Giants and the Astros in the World Series, um, and I originally had the the uh, I originally had the fact the fact that we saw that huge injury to Lance McCullers uh, colored my impression of this LCS. I had the Dodgers until Max Muncie got hurt, and that's why I flipped to the Giants. Um, I'm going to go with the Red Sox, and having just seen the Braves uh, fell in love with their starting pitching, their bullpen has been incredibly effective, but there's nothing pleasant about watching them. And the Braves fans will tell you, Will Smith walked into Brian Snitker's office um, after one of the games in which, you know, he had a couple of guys on and, and he peeked his head in and said, "Sit, you can breathe again." It's become a recurring. It's become a recurring joke. So, uh, given the fact that I had the Dodgers originally, once they got hurt, then I flipped to the Giants. Uh, I will go with the Dodgers and the Astros uh, in the World Series. 
All right. Well, uh, if track record's anything, you're going to do better than me. That's for sure. I, I I feel embarrassed now when people ask me when I do radio interviews, to, yeah, tell me what's going to happen. I'm like, I don't know. That's clear. Good luck today good. On, uh, on your 18 holes. Uh, good to talk with you, boys. We'll see you soon. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes. The clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you got to check out NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one and done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease. Plus, it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef-flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NextGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. Todd Radom is the chief executive of our weekly quiz. He's a graphic artist whose work can be seen on ball fields all across America, all around the world. Or you can go to his website, toddradom.com. And Todd, I was just telling uh, Carl Ravitch that uh, I've gotten just about every pick in this postseason wrong. I had the Yankees beating the Red Sox, Rays beating the Red Sox, the Brewers beating the Braves, and the Giants beating the Dodgers last night. And so I, I'm sad to inform you that I am picking your Red Sox to beat the Houston Astros in the American League Championship Series. What's say Buster, you? Buster, Buster, what are you doing here? What are you doing? Well, here's my thought. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, but when the Red Sox and Astros last met in the ALCS in 2018, yours truly, after eight years of art school back in the day, painted the pitching rubber for game one. Okay. Oh, man, that's right. Now. Now, now, the Red Sox lost game one. However, they prevailed in that series, and they defeated the Dodgers in the World Series. So I'm taking partial credit. I did not get a partial share. I am not planning on going up there. So I think the whole thing hinges on what the pitching rubber looks like and perhaps my ability to get up there and paint it. Okay. We'll, we'll see which curse is stronger, okay, at this <laughs> point. But, but I, mine is I, – I, yeah. Yeah, I've got a power working in this postseason. It's not exactly the power that I want, but it's definitely there. All right, let's get to this week's Forgotten Franchise. All right, Buster, here we go. Long before Mike Trout and Shohei Otani donned the handsome uniforms of the Los Angeles Angels, another Angels club prospered in Los Angeles. Back when Anaheim was but a rural community that was dominated by acres and acres of orange groves. The Pacific Coast League's Los Angeles Angels held forth 
from 1903 to 1957, winning a dozen league titles along the way, including the legendary 1934 club that won 137 games and lost only 50, a 733 winning percentage, perhaps the greatest minor league club ever. The Angels were a Cubs farm team from 1921 to 1956, and they played their home games for much of that span at Wrigley Field, a ballpark which served as the home of today's American League Angels during their inaugural campaign, 1961. It was designed by architect Zachary Taylor Davis, who was also responsible for Chicago's Wrigley, as well as the White Sox Comiskey Park. LA's Wrigley Field was one of the finest ballparks in America, Buster, and night baseball was first played there in 1930, which would be exactly 58 years before lights came to that other Wrigley Field in Chicago. It was also home to the classic Home Run Derby television show, which was broadcast in 1960. At its zenith, the Pacific Coast League was considered by some to be a third major league. The West Coast enjoyed the benefits of geographic isolation from the American and National Leagues, as well as the dynamics of explosive population growth. L.A. consisted of 319,198 citizens in 1910. That expanded into an impressive one and one half million only 30 years later. PCL clubs enjoyed a favorable climate in terms of weather as well, with teams playing in excess of 200 games in some seasons. On February 21st, 1957, the Brooklyn Dodgers bought Wrigley Field, the Angels franchise, and most importantly, the territorial rights to L.A., all for the lofty sum of $3 million, which is nearly $30 million in today's dollars. We know what happened next. The Dodgers came west along with their rivals, the New York, now San Francisco Giants. The Angels, meanwhile, were forced to relocate to Spokane, Washington, where they became the Spokane Indians. The Pacific Coast League itself ceased operations prior to the 2021 season as part of MLB's reorganization of the minor leagues. But, Buster, today, we salute the original LA Angels. They are this week's forgotten franchise. Now, uh, the, the, the fact that I just love here, of course, is that the, you had the ballpark uh, out uh, that the Angels, or that the, uh, yeah, the Angels played in uh, being named the same as the ballpark in Chicago, Wrigley Field. Okay? Yes. And this one uh, followed, in other words, the name Wrigley Field first appeared in Chicago and then with the ball field in the West Coast, correct? Correct. Okay. Can you imagine the reaction on social media today? <laughs> if, if something like that happened where, you know, they have a big press conference, they have an announcement, here it is, Wrigley Field. And, well, you know, Buster, we have seen in the NBA several AT&T, you know, arenas, whatever we want to call them, simultaneously. There was an American Airlines arena in Miami. What I'm saying is it's, you know, it's happened before. So. um the one thing we can count on is, yes, public opinion would be uh, would be strong. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah, they would not get points for originality. That's for sure. Uh, <laughs> I always loved and You're right. The, the, those old home run derby shows are always so much fun to look at that ballpark with that the, the high outfield walls. It looked like a beautiful, beautiful ballpark and uh, small capacity. And again, history, always fascinating. We say this every week. The original L.A. Angels, not the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, 
but they did play in L.A. for that one season in that beautiful ballpark. Exactly. All right, let's get to this week's quiz. All right, guys, we're going to try something different this week. Different is good. Week 31 here. Oh, boy. Boston Red Sox, as we said, are competing in their 12th American League Championship Series. They swept their first in 1975 with a nine-inning 5-3 victory in Game 3. How long did this game take to play? Closest to the pin wins. Nice. Taylor. Mm, I'm going to say, let's go three hours and one minute. See, this is like a price is right thing, Todd. That is is easy. It's the easiest victory I've had. Three hours. I'm going to go one minute under what Taylor said. Oh, sir, you would be correct. It was a snappy two hours Damn and it. 30 minutes for a nine-inning game. Unbelievable. Exactly. Which is Not unbelievable. Close. That was like, I mean, I, I was doing victory laps as soon as he said three hours. And I'm like, done. No, over. No, and, and here's gosh. the – and I had an unfair advantage, uh, Taylor. I, I attended game one of that three-game series, so I have a better sense <laughs> Did of you really? games at those in that uh, back in that time. Wow. I don't believe I knew that, Buster. You know, that's that's pretty unbelievable. Wow. Yeah, I, well, I, and I attended the game. I, I, I'm sure I've told this story. My Uncle Bob owned a sporting goods store in the Manchester area. Mark Sporting Goods, I think, was the name of it. And he called me on the eve of that world of that uh, that postseason. And my mom said, you know, Uncle Bob said uh, uh, that he got tickets to a game. Guess who's going with you? And me, coming from a, a family that enjoyed politics, my response was Gerald Ford, who was the president <laughs> at the time. And my mom said, no, Pee Wee Reese, Pee Wee Reese. Get so out of here. Watch that, watch that game one sitting alongside Pee Wee Reese. I have his autograph at home. That's unbelievable. You, you wish the game took three and a half hours. because right, exactly. Would- <laughs> so, Taylor, there was no chance uh-huh. that a game back then was going to last three hours. I mean, uh, it's no, no. I, I'd Can say we that bring was that back? Time. These games are too long. That sounds delightful. An under three hour baseball game. Can you imagine? Very, very snappy. So, yeah. And by the way, that was an unfair advantage for Buster. I've been accused of this kind of thing before. So next week, we get our Pantone color questions about the Miami Marlins. (laughs) Closest to the pin. What color does this most resemble? (laughs) (laughs) It's all brown and gray. Right, exactly. All right, Todd, thanks for doing this. Thanks, guys. Bleacher Tweets. Alrighty, Buster. Bleacher tweets for a Friday. Katie Casey at Tweacher Bleats writes in Rev Schwenk and Buster. Do you think Major League Baseball will make significant changes to replay this offseason or will it keep being mediocre for a couple years? Yeah, it's always jarring to see Reverend attached to you now, but I guess that's <laughs> what we're how we're going to roll going forward. Uh, I don't think there'll be significant changes. I think there are going to be a lot of different on-field initiatives put in place after the CBA is agreed to. Uh, you know, during the course of the winter time, but I don't think replay is going to change a lot. I do hope that they do make some adjustments because boy, it's frustrating to see wrong calls, not corrected. Mitchell at Tigers of Detroit writes in, if Kershaw were healthy, where would he be in your postseason rotation? Could he possibly be your number four? Yeah, he would be number four in part because he's had a long layoff. Joe Fluganelli at Durflu writes in, what's the competitive advantage of bringing in Urias in the third instead of the first? Uh, well, it's because they wanted to force Gabe Kapler to make early uh, platoon decisions. In other words, 
Uh, and and Kapler acknowledged, like when they, he got word that the right-hander was starting, that meant Listella started. And that meant when Arias uh, came into the game, Listella had to come out of the game for the Giants, or at least Gabe Kapler had that choice. And that meant he wasn't available later in the game. And, and I think that by eliminating some of those decisions or eliminating some of those options later in the game, that was the preference and what Dave Roberts was going for. But as Carl and I talked about, if the Giants had scored early in this game, oh, Dave Roberts would have gotten destroyed on social media. Alrighty, Buster. Hopefully we talked enough Giants Dodgers for uh, for the haters out there. Hashtag Bleacher Tweets on Twitter as you're watching games over the weekend. And please follow, rate, and review this podcast wherever you get your podcast. We'll be back on Monday. That's it for today. That's it for this week. My thanks to Rabbi, Todd, and the Rev. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. Thanks for listening to the Baseball Tonight podcast. If you're playing fantasy baseball, check out the Fantasy Focus podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. The Baseball Tonight podcast. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.